0: Phoenix Suns back in action tonight at Footprint Center. And our next guest, he will be there, as he always is, providing expert insight and analysis. He is the one, the only, Kellen Olsen. K.O., what's happening, man?
1: Hey, Dan, Tim. Good to talk to you.
0: All right, so where do we... I guess we should begin here because the last couple of games is a weird mishmash. There wasn't a whole lot of want-to in that game against the Knicks. There was a lot more urgency against the Cavs, yet there was more recurring crunch time issues. Where are we at with this basketball team? What is important for them to lay down tonight?
1: I, I think, Dan, it just comes down to consistency and finding consistent progress. I think that... Surely you would like to see overnight that they turn back into the team from last year, but I just don't think that's realistic right now, especially with the injury uh, situation that's going on right now. And I think that the way in which the stretch has gone right now, where they're 4-12 and in their last 16 games, I I think that they've been able to... Um, find something here and there. Uh, there was the overtime loss to Denver and then the the win over the Memphis Grizzlies. It was two games in a row where it was like, all right, they're starting to get back on the right track a bit. And then they had three straight losses that, that were back to the, the terrible nature we had seen a bit earlier. I, I think we saw in Cleveland a little bit more, or, or not a little bit, I should say far more of, of the fight and just the overall energy that we would expect from this team on a night-to-night basis. And I think just getting that every night is going to be a start because the bottom line is if there was ever a time in their season when they needed to play like that it it would be right now when, when they are shorthanded when they are in the toughest part of their schedule so i think that's the start and where you want to see, what you want to see from this team over the next month i think that obviously with how many games they're losing, their positioning in the standings, I think people want to see some wins. But I don't think we can even start there, Dan. To be honest, I think we just have to start with the fight and just their their consistency over the stretch of a couple of games before we get there.
2: Yeah, Kellen. You know, you you look at the upcoming schedule and the way the Suns have played on the road. I, I think there's a heightened importance on these two home games this week against uh, Miami and Cleveland. I want to ask you about how Monty is deploy uh, deploying guys, uh, not only on the bench but in the starting lineup? We've seen Jock Landell start to at Memphis's size, and we've seen Dario get a run here. If you're Monty, put your head coaching hat on. Where, where, do you, where do you think the Suns would be best served from a starting lineup standpoint, the way this thing is going right now, and then a bench rotation? I mean, what, what, what do you think would, would work best?
1: Right. Uh, first things first, and I, I am not Monty Williams, and Monty Williams knows far more about basketball, so whenever I get these types of questions, I'm always going to cite that. With, with, that be, with that being said and with that in mind, something I've been talking about the last couple of weeks and something that I think Suns fans have come together on as well is the idea of not of not matching for size anymore. You did mention Jock Landell, You did mention Dario Sarge. That's something where even Torrey Craig starting while Cam Johnson has been out, I think that's been something where they're trying to get as much size on the on the floor as they can at the four spot, and, and rightfully so, because there's a fear of them just getting out-rebounded. And if you look at the main thing that was at their crux at the start of this run when they've been playing such poor basketball, it was their physicality and the lack of it. So getting more size on the court is a plus. But with that being said, I think that Josh Akogi and, and Damian Lee have been two of their best players over this stretch. I know that that's not saying much, but you're looking for that consistency anywhere you can get it. And I think getting those two guys as many minutes as possible is something you want to look for. And, and it was interesting in Cleveland how Darius Arch did start, but he didn't start in place of Devin Booker. He started in place of Torrey Craig. And, and Torrey Craig has just had, had a down year overall, which is, a, which is a crazy thing to say, because you look at him statistically, he's having a career year shooting from three, and typically three and D wings like Torrey Craig at their three-point shot that's normally hit or miss and Streaky is consistent. You're getting what you want out of him. But defensively, he's just in a really tough spot with what the team is at right now, which is they've been one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And structurally, he hasn't really been able to fit into that. And then offensively, they're just playing off of him so much that it's really cluttering the space for Chris Paul, Mikel Bridges, and DeAndre and wherever they can get it in a way that doesn't happen when you have Devin Booker on the floor at the same time. So I think that there are elements of their starting lineup and their rotation they can tweak And the main one that I would suggest and the one that I would want to see it's just more playing time for a and Lee.
0: Yeah, I, I'm definitely down for that as well. Um, in talking to Al McCoy and others, there's and, and my my frustration with DeAndre Ayton it's bubbling up all over again. And I know this isn't just a him kind of issue, but but I, I see him as a guy that could really lift this team up right now. And 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 it's it's back to the up down up down. Is there any legitimacy? Is there any point in maybe trying to tweak the offense and engage him on the? blocks and feed him the ball and back off and just l- tell him, let him y- this is you. You you create, you attack. Is that ridiculous? Is that something you think might be, maybe should be considered?
1: Yeah, I definitely think it should be considered and and I've said this on our podcast when Dev Booker went down, I think that they were in a spot right now with the way that the form that Chris Paul is in right now, DeAndre should be taking 20 shots a game. And, and this is the age-old discussion that we always have with him, where how much of that is on the design of the offense, and how much of that is on DeAndre himself, and just How much is he engaging? How much is he establishing position? All that kind of stuff. Well, I think we've seen in the last couple of weeks how he's just much more willing to take that mid-range jumper. And and again, part of this is probably him being told, hey, if you have 14 feet and the guy is giving you a feet or two of space, just take the jumper. We're at that point right now offensively where we're just looking for any signs of consistency. And and that's one where DeAndre is money at that mid-range jumper. And sometimes it's a shot that's a little out of rhythm in the offense. But now, now it's one of their best options right now with with what they've got going offensively, the lack of what they've got going, I should say. And I think Dan, it kind of goes back to more of what you're saying, which is where you don't need to run that many complicated motions to throw in the block within uh, the ball within 14 feet or or on the block and let him get to work. And I think more of that consistently is something that they should be looking to do. And it, and I think that's the, the biggest question is how much is it reinventing their offense and how much of their offense are they willing to reinvent for a couple of weeks here. Uh, but, the, but the bottom line is you look up and down their roster from a talent perspective and who's capable of what right now. And if there's anyone capable of being their number one most nights offensively, I think right now the guy, the guy questionably is, is DeAndre Ayton.
2: Well, he only had 12 shots against the Cavs, and this is not just us saying it. Monty said it after the game, right? Kellen, like, we gotta do a better job of of getting him more shots. Now, Mikel Bridges had plenty of shots that game. He just didn't make many of them. He was three for 15, you know, including missing the game winner, which, you know, Optically, it was a good shot. I mean, it's a shot Mikel Bridges can make. But, Kellen, just I know it's been a couple of days, but as we springboard a Mikel Bridges conversation here, what did you think about the Sun's decision to go to Mikel uh, at that situation, in that situation, at that point of the game? And where are you at right now with Mikel's vacillating offensive output game to game? Because it's getting, unfortunately, they need him now, and the numbers aren't there to drive home victories offensively for Mikel Bridges?
1: I liked the look, and I know that's a really unpopular opinion, but if you look up and down the roster and who else you would want taking that shot, I think there are some fans being dramatic and saying anyone else but him with the way that he was shooting the ball. But I think Chris Paul is the other guy you would have considered getting the ball, but he's getting trapped as soon as he touches it. There's two seconds left. He's trying to make a pass. They knew that was coming, so they were trying to set up someone off the inbound. And they got Mikel Bridges in a spot where he normally hits that shot eight, nine times out of ten. And I'll take that look every day of the week, even in this current state of the offense, even as in this current state of his inefficiency where Mikel just hasn't been as efficient as he normally is with, with the amount of shots that he's taking in this game. I, I like to look, there's four seconds left if you can get a, a semi an uncontested shot from anywhere within 25 feet with four seconds left on the sideline and out of bounds play, I'm taking it from pretty much anyone. And he got it within 14 feet in the spot he's known for hitting shots for. So I, I don't care what he's shooting in the game. I like the look. I think the thing that we're learning about Mikel is, is the limitations of his game. And I, and I say limitations very lightly here because we're talking about a guy who's second in the league in minutes, total minutes right now. Mm-hmm. And you can just see the wear and tear of, of not only yeah. that, but just the defensive, responsibility that he holds every game and now that he's doing even more offensively it just looks like it's physically taking taking something out of him right now and i think that it it's just him kind of getting pushed too far and i think we're kind of learning along maybe with him and with everyone else uh, around right now that asking him to be a guy that takes 14 15 shots a game maybe isn't something that's realistic right now especially within what they're doing offensively. It's different if it's not being forced out of him, but it is being forced out of him right now. And that's just an unnatural way. For him to go about the process, I'll admit I was wrong. I thought it was going to be a lot more natural process with that, but for, or when Cam Johnson actually went down. I, I spotlighted Mikel as the first guy, and I was like, this is a guy that should, they should try and get him 13, 14, 15, 16 looks a game, and see if a guy who shoots 50% from the field, who shoots 50% from mid-range, 40 from three, 75% at the rim, that type of guy, see if that efficiency translates on more shots, and it just hasn't. It, it just hasn't. Yeah. I, I think it might later I in his agree. career, but right now, I think they're just asking for too much out of him, but and again, guys, who else are they going to ask for it out of? Uh, they, they just need to see him kind of trudge it out here for, for lack of a better word, and, and see what he can get. They can get out of the situation, and maybe he can start to find some of that efficiency as he gets more and more use of this over the next couple of weeks.
0: All right, last question is: I t- attempt to reconcile what I read from Brian Wynn Horst about Robert Sarver's veto power and whether or not that's being implemented, and James Jones's slippery denials on the same subject. I keep going back. To what you said about how there's a couple of windows here that James Jones has to kind of choose and it's whether the now Chris Paul window or the one after and I think that's very very smart and really strikes at the core of the matter what should be realistic what should Suns fans be expecting watching thinking about as the trade deadline nears
1: I, I think it it really ranges, Dan, and I don't. I, I think that's going to be an unpopular answer, but I would not be surprised if they didn't do much. I would not be surprised if they did a lot, and and that goes in line with sort of what you're saying, where if they kind of want to look at this year not as a reset year, not as a tank year. Stop sending me screenshots of Victor Wembanyama in a Suns jersey, please. This team is trying to win, and they are and they are not going to look at it. Can you imagine telling Devin Booker in March, hey? So, yeah, uh, we're (laughs) going to – remember when we sat Eric Fleto in, like, your second year? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, We're doing that too now, bud. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: That's not happening, especially with the the way this team is designed to win. So, with that said, I think that they could look at this year as just with everything that has gone on from an injury perspective – from the whole Jay situation and everything, and not just call it shock necessarily, but just look at it and say, let's not make anything too dramatic in season right now. Let's sort of wait for that for next year and kind of just not look at this as a lost year, but see what the guys can do in the playoffs. And if nothing clicks together, that is another indication that we need to do something serious. In the offseason, when we have more flexibility now, Dan, of course, you and I had these types of conversations nine months ago when we were talking about doing it last offseason. But alas, here, here, here we are again. But then again, if they deem it as urgent and they really, really want to believe that they can still win a championship with Chris Ball, this is the year to do it. So, so they would need to get on it. Then again, where is the big move? Where is the team willing to sell right now? Where is the team willing to give up the kind of top 30 player that could really help them become the favorite in the West again like they were last year? I'm, I'm not quite sure, but uh, they're not going to tank, Dan. I feel comfortable in saying that. Right. Everything else, though, we'll see. Eyes
0: on the table. Thank you, Kellen. Look forward to your coverage tonight. We appreciate you.